0: Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, dairy farmer Joe Leonard and independent seed supplier Tom McGuinness join us to consider the role of multi-species swards on highly productive grass-based dairy farms. Joe started by explaining the growth and evolution of his farm in the last decade.
1: At present, we're we're probably milking 600 cows on a 250 hectare um, farm, about 190 hectares of that is the milking platform. Now, that's evolved, I suppose, through uh, a partnership which we took on with a neighbour in 2015, um, which allowed us to probably milk another 180, 200 cows. Um, And prior to that, um, we we always used to run, I suppose, a, a dairy and a beef system, So, as milk quotas went, we had surplus land to bring back in. So, I suppose prior to quotas going, we were probably milking 240 cows up until 2014. And then we'd originally looked at jumping to about 400, 420, I suppose. um, and then the option of the partnership came along. So that's given us the option to grow to 600 cows, which is where we're at today.
0: So, you know, I, I suppose looking at those numbers, you know, relatively high stocking rate on the milking platform, um, where does the idea of multi species swords fit into that, Joe?
1: I think it fits quite nicely. And I suppose, I mean, we're running a, a stocking rate on the milking platform, usually between 3.3 and 3.5 across the year, depending on the seasonality. Um, and we found that, I mean, through our experience, um, the multi-species that we have growing on the farm now um, is growing pretty close to um, the average of the farm on an, on an annual basis. I mean, even the, the newer paddocks, they'd probably be growing slightly above average. They wouldn't be the very top paddocks, but they'd be comfortably, nicely in the middle of um, what we're growing and what we're seeing measured on pasture base. So I don't think we're losing much production by doing it.
0: And Joe, when we think about multispecies, um uh, for me, for a lot of farmers it's it's a very new concept. Where did the idea come for you?
1: how long have we got? A quick a brief history, I suppose. The discussion group I'm involved in. we took it um We took a trip to South Africa of places in two thousand and sixteen, and we came across the species swords growing there. and um that piqued my interest and a couple of other guys in the group. so And then, I suppose the next step was to get in touch with Tom um and find out um what knowledge he had on multi-species and or mixed species swords and we found tom very helpful from the beginning and very interested in what we were doing so i suppose that's where it started really 2000 and we sold our first multi-species swords in 2017 so we've been at it now five six years i suppose five years anyway
0: And to bring you in there, Tom, um, you know, how familiar were you with the idea of multi-species at that stage?
2: A few farmers tried it back in 2015 and now it was just plantain and chicory. And it was based on for sheep at the time. There was nobody, nobody was thinking of doing it for for cattle or cows at that stage uh, until... Joe and his discussion group came along, okay, so the first couple of years was basically all sheep
0: and I suppose Tom you know it is um you know you're you're working in the area of selling seed um you know I suppose what was your take on you know the movement towards multi species as opposed to your standard perennial ryegrass perennial ryegrass clover swords
2: I have to say at first, I thought they had lost something. A marble or two, um, because it, it went again all I've been preaching for the last thirty five years prior. But um, I soon saw the results that they were getting, and uh, I saw the ground, uh, soil improving, and uh, and the cattle and cattle, and especially especially in sheep, it shows up very quickly, the health wise. So it, it didn't take long to see that there was benefits in it, okay, but Joe, they tried to get me to get a few varieties at the beginning, which I wouldn't, I, I fought against, but I came around in the end um, to giving them, though, particularly Coxfoot, um, because it took us 40 years to get rid of Coxfoot, and here we were reinstating it again, but it's a different type of seed, okay
0: to you joe in practice um like in terms of establishing multi-species how similar or different is it to our traditional perennial ryegrass or perennial ryegrass clover swards in terms of pre and post so management um the method you're using and and, and timing of receding
1: okay um <clears throat> it's a little different in some degrees i mean you- I suppose the big difference really is the, is the is in the spray management. I mean, you really have to get your your do your best to get your weeds sorted prior to sowing because once once it's sown, you don't have many options um, for post-emergent sprays or whatever. Um, so what we've tended to do um, is to try and identify a paddock the year before or a couple of years before and and try and. Make sure that we can get it as clean as possible um, in the previous season before we actually sow it. So we're trying to earmark paddocks this year for sowing next year, if you know what I mean. And then we've traditionally over the last three to four years, we've been sowing. We've aimed to sow the end of April or May Bank Holiday weekend. It's coincided with a couple of times, so around then. So we've we would normally um, we'd try and graze a paddock twice in the spring, and then after the second grazing, we would spray it off. Um, and we found a, a local guy who's, who sows us. He's an agent in seed or whatever. And it works very well going into it. Um, we just stitch it, stitch the seed straight in. So we will graze a paddock during the week, um, leave it a day or so. And we have actually done paddocks. We've gone straight in and later on that day and sprayed them with Roundup. And then we would sow the next couple of days later. And rather than waiting for the trash to die down, um, once, the, once the spray is dry, we find we can we can sow away directly. Um, and then we would come along afterwards with a bit of lime, usually three ton of lime to the acre, just to give, make sure we kill all the thrash and it gives the um gives us, you know, gives a good bit of um pH or raises the pH level for particularly for the clovers and stuff like that. Um and then as the seed comes up, we would then put out three bags of 10, 10, 20, as with a normal reseed, just to make sure everything gets establishment. Um, and then and we find it probably takes from sowing to first grazing closer to eight weeks rather than, so it takes a little longer to come up and establish than um, probably a straight ryegrass water or a ryegrass and clover swart.
0: And to you, Tom, when, when we talk about a variety, you know, farmers have very much moved away from getting, a, a, say, a co-op mix. And they're very much gravitating towards the PPI to select, um, I suppose, the best fit for them in terms of a grazing sward. If you were to talk about a multi-species mix, um, you know, a typical bag that a Joe would sow or, you know, a, a standard, uh, say, dairy farmer is sowing for multi-species grazing, What would be included?
2: For the full multi-species, which we're talking about, say, 10 10 species, you're talking about roughly 5 kilos of ryegrass. We found that an intermediate diploid worked out very well with the height that the chicory grows, that it matches in very well with it. So usually there's an intermediate diploid and a late ploid. After that, you have red clover a kilo of red clover, a kilo and a half of a white clover, three-quarter of a kilo of chicory and three-quarter of plantain. Um, we also put in one kilo of cocksfoot and um, two kilos of timothy. Then the herbs, we put in sheeps, parsley and yarrow. Um, the reason for inclusion of the Cocksfoot and Timothy, is it seems to be a big buffer on extreme weather conditions, Um, where anybody who has been sowing it, in the last few years we've been tested out, the multi-species is doing very well in drought conditions. Also, in high rainfall times, it is far more porous, it takes the water seems absorbs the water quicker and doesn't doesn't tramp the top of the ground doesn't uh, go into gutter for want of a better word. Uh so the fields are available to the farmer a lot more than there would be with straight ryegrass.
0: Right a a comment from you on that, Joe, in relation to I, I suppose the the idea of Coxfoot and Timothy coping in drought conditions I mean I suppose we're all aware of it the weather has been great and, and farmers are struggling fields are getting yellow and, and even going as far as I could say nearly brown now at this stage um, we have had that little bit of rainfall but how have the multi-species coped with um, I suppose the lack of rain over the last six weeks or so?
1: Um, we've certainly found now that um, I suppose when we're we would see it I suppose when we're measuring paddocks on a, on a weekly basis that we are getting more growth um, and growth is lasting longer in the multi-species swards than it is in the ryegrass swards as the as the weather dries up. Now, having said that, it it is kind of more species dependent. I mean, you can see, you know, when the weather gets really hot, the ryegrass say, in the multi-species same as anything else they die back. But your your deeper-rooting plants, your you know your your timothy or your cocksfoot and your chicories and plantains or whatever, they do tend to keep going longer, so they provide that extra bit of. Um, growth when everything else is starting to die back
0: and if we think about it then again in practice from a grazing perspective you know visually it's a completely different product to what we're used to seeing if we look out at uh, fields of grass on dairy farms and even you know tom you've you've made reference um you know cocksfoot, something we've been trying to eliminate from swords for years in ireland so joe what we is the grazing set up um you know from the perspective of is pre-grazing the same um are you grazing to a similar Post grazing height, or are you doing something different with these swords? Yeah, I suppose
1: one of the biggest issues, with or the issues, but one of the biggest differences, I suppose, with the multi species as opposed to conventional ryegrass or ryegrass overseed, we're finding is um, visually it, 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 it takes it, it's, it takes a bit of adaptation from the eye because it's a totally different field to what you're looking at. And what we're finding is we're grazing. We're finding it's taking probably another. Four to five days longer in the rotation to grow um so normally if you're on a 20 21 day rotation for your your ryegrass woods you're probably looking at more like 26 to 28 days um that's it seems to allow for the the chicory and the plantain and whatever they take seems to take a little bit longer to recover and get going again after a grazing um so you're grazing a slightly higher Uh, pre-grazing yield sorry that's what i'm looking for so you'd go into a higher pre-grazing yield so we'd probably be going into kind of 2000s 2200s as opposed to your 15 to 1600 if you know what i mean for a ryegrass ward and then we're also trying we've found over experience that if you graze out the paddocks too tight and certainly in the in the, the first year fresh red the cows will graze it right down to the butt but we find that um it doesn't help with the persistence if you graze it too tight we've found trouble with the persistency of the chicory particularly it seems to graze out quite quickly so we're we're trying to leave closer to, to the 200 250 on a paddock as we as we as we're grazing them so from that point of view aesthetically it's it's a totally different um it takes a very different mindset from um you know when you're your normal grazing sports or your normal ryegrass swaths. so
0: and that 2000 to say that 2002 to two in terms of pre-grazing, is that having an impact on productivity in terms of milk performance or, you know, I suppose, body condition gain in cows?
1: We find absolutely none. Um, cows, I mean, at this stage, I suppose, probably 40 percent of our milking platform, if not a little bit more, is in multi-species wards. And we find certain, I mean, we're not finding a lift in the bulk tank, but we're certainly not finding a drop as the cows go through them, you know, they come in and out. Um, you know, the, the higher ME or, you know, in the, the chicory, the, the uh, plantains, the, we find that, that okay, your ryegrats right, at 2,200 or 2,000 aren't as palatable. There's a bit more stem in them, certainly. But the clovers and the, the chicories, whatever, more than seem to make up for it in keeping so quartz sword quality. Um, pretty correct
0: and and you mentioned clover clover is is a big component of multi-species um, you know we're we're aware that you know farmers now are using reduced rates of fertilizer uh, from mid-season on clover swards what is the overall nitrogen strategy for multi-species swards on your farm
1: so the way we I mean, so I suppose if you look at it I mean on the year of establishment once we put a sword down we will give it three bags of 10 10 20 and then we won't touch it again for the season and then the, the established swords, so anything that's already in, um, we will tend to give it a little bit of nitrogen in, you know, late January, February, March, to, you know, same as we would, you know, weather dependent, same as you would with the rest of the ryegrass Swords. We treat it that way the same. And then come the beginning of April, we would tend to give it a top dressing of 18, 6, 12, you know, a couple of bags of that um, to get the, just bit of P and K on early on in the season. And that's the last nitrogen that will get. So that'll be the last top dressing of, of nitrogen we get on the first of April through the multi-species sports. We find um, we've then started in the last few years, putting a little bit of um, potash out in the autumn, putting a bag of sort of murated potash out sometime October or no more like um, August, should I say, sorry, late July, August. Um, and that's all we find, you know, we don't need any more, you know, I suppose it's a bit of a chicken and egg, but we have to you have to stay off the, the bag of nitrogen to let the clover establish. And if it's a little bit of holding your nerve to start with, um but if you can reduce keep keep away from the nitrogen, the clover will, will, will kick in and away it goes. So
0: it's it's an interesting one because you know, on the milking platform there is a, a feed demand across the year and it is uh, I suppose a confidence piece, as you say, the chicken and egg. You know, at the start, you're wondering, is this going to work? And it is that that time that you have to give it, and you know, then that your hopeful weather conditions, you know, come together that the the grass will be there, um, in the absence of um, nitrogen. Um, Tom to you you know if you look back at 2015 2016 when you know you refer to mainly you know dry, uh, dry stock type farmers dipping their toe in the water um, with the likes of plantain and chicory to now you know what is the evolution in terms of you know is it an increasing volume of multi-species seeds that you're selling on an annual basis
2: uh, the, uh, the uptake has been fantastic um, I think Building up to last year, we had roughly, roughly done sixteen hundred and fifty acres, and um, the and this year with the new subsidy on given out by the government, and um, we haven't done the final figures yet, but that would be well surpassed this year. But the big thing has been the interest and the willingness of farmers to try it, and. Also, we have improved and hopefully we'll continue to improve on the uh, actual species we're putting into the mixtures. And, um, like from the start, like there was a couple of varieties like Borford Trephile and Sandvine, and we just could not get them to work anywhere in Ireland. So we've dropped them, but hopefully we'll replace them with other plants coming forward. Um, one little plant called Yarrow. I find it very important for both animal and soil health. So the chicory we have now is far more persistent and along with the plantain and also the red clover we're now using is a grazing red clover. A few years ago, I didn't know something like that existed. So we're all learning. It's a, it's We've made mistakes, but we're hopefully we're getting we're improving every year with the with the mixtures and farmers after say, farmers are great they 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 really want to go with it.
0: and I suppose there is a huge innovation there and you you talk about the interest and the willingness of farmers to try but if we think about the why, why would you think Tom farmers are using multi species
2: the main reason is the environment they contrary to it, farmers are worried about the environment, they are worried about their soil, and they start to realise that the most important thing is your, on your farm is your soil. So, and to see the difference that the multispecies is making to both of them. Like, you heard Joe's cutback and fertiliser use. So, isn't it great to be able to give a farmer something that he's able to reduce his chemical inputs, still get the same production and not he doesn't have to be beaten into doing it he's encouraged into doing it and he's still getting the same production off his farm (laughs) so i personally i think that's the main reason farmers are doing it um that you know they they want to cut back on fertilizers no more than everybody else but the price of fertilizer now has made it has made a big difference, but that wasn't there two or three years ago, and so uh, farmers were changing then and, and willing to look to look at the new ideas, and um, like even what they're doing in Solahead in Down with Chagas and the new clover regime, uh, where they're using two two, uh, two kilos of red and two kilos of white. It, clover in the mixtures that's made a big difference to farmers' inputs into their fields. So the farmers, I think they're they're pushing me more than I, anything else for looking for new varieties. and uh, like I'm now using varieties from Switzerland and the continent, um, which seem to be far more, more persistent and hopefully, Will be more um, suitable to Irish conditions than we were getting from New Zealand up to now. Okay,
0: and and to you, Joe. I mean, to, to wrap up, like you say, you have. I suppose the situation where you are effectively a leader in the use of multi-species, you know, from a, an on-farm perspective, you know, there's research in Chagas, be it Johnstown Castle, now, now based up in Park as well, from a dairy perspective. And you've alluded to the research in, in dry stock at Lion's Farm. But um, I suppose what is the feedback or you know, what are you hearing from other dairy farmers in, in relation to multi-species and is it a practice that you're going to continue into the future?
1: It's definitely a practice I'm going to continue into the future, um, and I am, uh, you know, I, I'm hearing from more and more dairy farmers. I mean, the last couple of seasons, I've had a good few discussion groups come through and visit and people, are, so there's definitely an interest in people wanting to find out more. You know, and it isn't, you know, I mean, the, the price of fertilizer certainly makes everybody sit up and think. You know, how can we, how can we save this input? But I mean, even prior to fertilizer going up, you know, there's there's definitely an interest in, as Tom said, the environmental side of it, the soil health side of it. Um, and th- I mean that was one of the driving forces for me I suppose to get into it I and mean, when I first started farming years gone by it was um, you know we were very much looking at, at, at managing the cow on the farm and then over the last 25 years it's, it's you know through the lead from Chagas it's become very much more about minding the grass and pasture breeding the breeding a cow to, to harvest that pasture and this just seems to be the next logical step really you know we're actually just looking trying to manage the grass or manage the soil itself because ultimately we're you know the soil you know soil health is probably the the key driver to the profitability success of our farms you know i mean being able to grow good quality pasture um in lots you know in changing weather conditions um with lower inputs is you know i think i see it as the way we're going to go forward you know because we're trying to Adapt to the climate change um, debate. Make sure that we stand up and do do our bit um, as farmers for the climate change debate. But we have to be able to do that without being adversely economically impacted upon. You know, because ultimately, farmers farm viability has to has to trump everything. Because if we're not if farmers can't make any money. Or if, if, if you know, growing multi-species swaths or whatever are going to negatively impact on farmers' pockets. Well, then realistically, it's not going. They're not going to take it up in large large numbers. So I think you know what we need is is definitely more you know and that, as you say the more Park, um, Johnstown Castle, there is a lot more research being done, but it's early. We need to start seeing some results, and we need to see probably more on-farm commercial trials too.
0: It has been a really interesting conversation, um, Joe and Tom. You know, it's um, as we say, relatively new at a farm level, and the idea of the practicalities of grazing these swords, getting your head around the visual difference, differences in fertilizer strategy, methods of, of receding. It is great to get your insight today. Thank you, Joe. And thank you, Tom. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Joe Leonard and Tom McGuinness for joining me on this week's show. In order to understand the aspects of the Dairy Edge, which are most appealing and beneficial to you, the listener, I would appreciate if you would take a few short minutes to complete the survey included in the show notes to give your feedback. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.